Welcome to Wild Quincy, a podcast that looks into the little-known and forgotten past of Quincy, Illinois. Players like John Dillinger, Babyface Nelson, and Bonnie and Clyde spent years causing havoc throughout the country. And although these big names were never a factor, as far as we know, in Quincy the town has had its own share of infamous crimes throughout the decades. So lock the doors and leave a light on as we talk robberies coming up next on Wild Quincy. Now, here's your host, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Back here on Wild Quincy, Travis, you ever get that thing in your head where you get this jingle and you can't get it out? I sure do. I've I've been listening a lot of the new movie Encanto on Disney Plus, and they have mm-hmm. very addicting earworm songs. I, I hope you will avoid for your own sanity. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and preface this by saying our throwback ad may make some people upset. <laughs> yeah, it's going to haunt you for the next few weeks of your life, and you will come to hate us. But yes. other than that, it's great. Yeah, we'll uh, have that coming up for you in a little bit. But Travis, before we dig into uh, some of the details and get through some of the paperwork, we got to thank uh, and welcome some new Patreon members. Yeah, that's right. We're uh, just ecstatic to welcome Jared Boozen, who joined at the $8 a month Kelly Salad Bar level. Jared's a longtime buddy of mine and is currently on the other end of the world. So we're getting some... Uh, Global exposure through through Mr. Jared. Global? Yeah, that's right. Other side of the world right now. Is he our first international? No, but we'll talk about that here in a bit. Um, now, I want to also give a, a quick uh, fist bump to one of our most active and favorite listeners, Kevin Anderson. He upped his support to $10 a month, which isn't even a level for that. So we're going to have to start thinking of a, of a, a, a yummy donut level. I don't know. we got to think of a new <laughs> level for that, for Kevin on we, that. We need a new level for Kevin. Thank you thank so you, much, Thank you Kevin. both very much for your support on Patreon. It's uh, It keeps lights on and unlocks a whole different season's equivalent each time we do a season of episodes. It does. And so you can check that out, patreon.com slash Travis. Speaking of that, you you kind of we talked about that just a second ago. Our downloads have been pretty good recently. We want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in and listening. Our last episode with the uh, uh, Baldwin Field crash has been one of our more popular ones. So we want to thank everybody for listening to those. And it sounds like maybe uh, we got some numbers. I don't know if I'm going to hit you with numbers, but we're driving for all 50 states, Chris. Okay. We are doing quite well on the domestic front of the United States, our humble little podcast from Quincy, Illinois. We have picked up, hold on, let me do the math in my head, 47 states we have at least a couple downloads in. Wow, 47? But there's a few stragglers, and I'm going to put out an APB to all our listeners. Surely you have friends spread across this great land, family in the nooks and crannies of America, and should you have friends, family, or foes in the following (laughs) states... Let them know about us. Get us one listen. If you're traveling, download our show once from the hotel. If you are going to (laughs) Wyoming or Maine or Alaska, we need to hit downloads in that state to get all 50. Ooh, there we go. Challenge. And Puerto Rico, if we really want to go for complete, you know. Breadth of territories as well. I want to. I want to know who our, our Hawaii listener is. That's what I really. I don't know. know. There's quite. A, there's a, There's more than one. There's a, or at least more than one download. I don't have the number on right pulled up. Well, Travis, second. here's the thing to think about: is if maybe they are listening to us in Hawaii right now, and maybe they should send us a text. 
How could they do that, Chris? Oh, wait, I know the answer to that. You can use our listener line. We used to just pimp it for phone calls, but we can also accept and respond to your lovely people's text messages. You can give us a nod. Do it right now while you're thinking about it. Get the phone out. Are you ready? Okay. 612-666-9453. That's right. Get, I'm, I'm not messing around. Get the phone out. <laughs> get it, pay, Unlock. Unlock. Look at it. Type your, get your thumb on there. 612-666-9453. Let us know you're listening. We'd love to hear what you got to say. And we promise that you will not receive any telemarketer text messages by giving us your number. Unless you specifically ask for them, and then we'll do our best to facilitate. <laughs> so we'll send you one every couple days. How's your warranty, guys? Is your car warranty good? Uh, if you need a reminder, let us know. We can we can make it happen. Yeah, do what some other people have done. We've had a few text messages come in since our last episode, and people are like, all right, well, I saved your number to my phone now, so if I have a thought, I will text you. And I'm like, oh, how cool is that? I love so, it. So, yeah, you can do that as well. We'll love reply it. back and have a conversation. Even if you don't use a Facebook or you don't use something like that, you can uh, use your cell phone and text us, and we will uh, get back to you. So make sure to check it out. And other things to check out, Travis, is our merchandise store. We still got some pretty cool stuff on there. Those mugs have been selling a little bit lately. I love the mugs. The mugs are a a high quality, a beautiful landscape of Quincy through our silhouettes we utilize on Wild Quincy. Uh, it's it's a little larger than a normal mug, so if you're a Keurig user, you can hit that middle button, and you're you're set. It won't <laughs> overflow yet, so specific. you're good to go. And speaking of coffee, in our Patreon episode, we are going to be discussing my new adventure into grinding my own coffee, oh, so boy. you want to listen to that as well. Oh, man. Travis, are we ready for the question of the day? Almost. I want to pick your brain for a second, Chris. We were talking about listeners in the 50 states, but why stop there when we can take over the world? <laughs> we have a good amount of Foreign listens, Chris, but I want to see if you can guess the top five countries that have listened to Wild Quincy. Ooh, I do have a little experience. I've never looked at our numbers, okay. so I will tell you that, but uh, I would say maybe Australia. Yeah, they're on the list. They're on the list. Okay. Probably, uh, I don't know, can we just go Europe in general? No, but they're no. there. They're there. Okay. Tell you what, you want me to be a spoiler and yeah. give you the top five? Yeah. Otherwise, we can really stretch this out for 20 minutes. Yes. All right. (laughs) Number one, no surprise, the U.S. of A. Our sweet country, almost all of it. Come on, Wyoming, Maine, Alaska. Let's get this going. (laughs) Number two, our friends to the north, Canada. Number three, our Aussies, thunder from down under, the Australians. Number four, the U.K., jolly old England, if you will, followed by two of our uh, friends in the south, Mexico. So that's our top five. Top five. Very we, we cool. Are, we have a lot of other miscellaneous countries. I went for almost everything. Sweden comes in at six or seven. Ah, so. the Swedes. So we yes. got that, that UK handle right there at the top. But let's get back focused here. Question of the day. Haven't seen this. What do you got, Chris? So here is your question of the day. According to census data, what year did Quincy have the largest population? Ooh, ooh, interesting. i give you some options. Was it 1930, 1950? 1970 or 2010. So again, the question is this, according to census data, what year did Quincy have the largest population? 1930, 1950, 1970 or 2010? We'll have the answer for that question coming for you at the end of this episode. But Travis, we're going to uh, get into something uh, a little risky, might put you in prison. We're going to be talking about robberies. We're going to do that next here on Wild Quincy. (laughs) 
here's what you missed on the latest After Hours episode of Wild Quincy. Deucer House Seed Company was sending a bunch of their employees to Vegas. This happened about an hour before the accident occurred. They okay. had a large plane. I don't remember what it was. It was a big plane. Because of its size, it required that the firefighters had to be out there. The firefighters were out there an hour before this accident happened. But they left because then they didn't want to oh, once that plane took my off. my God. Our After Hours episodes are available exclusively for Patreon members by going to patreon.com slash wildquincy. For just a couple dollars a month, not only will you double the amount of Wild Quincy episodes at your fingertips, but you'll also be supporting our efforts as we continue to dive into the wild and crazy history of our favorite town. Also, as a Patreon member, you can take part in our live events and Patreon-only outings, as well as having access to our regular episodes two days before they are released to the public. It's easy. Just head to patreon.com slash wildquincy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wildquincy and become a wild thing today. Back here on Wild Quincy and Travis, are you ready to talk about uh, some robberies in the Quincy area? Hold on, I got to reposition so I'm at the edge of my seat. Okay, go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about here. We are going to talk about just about everything under the sun. And then we're going to talk about banks. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So we'll start with, uh, we have some dating all the way back. I actually started at 1900. So just to give you a little bit of information, Travis, you kind of did pre-1900. I did (laughs) post-1900. Little did I know that there was really only one bank robbery that was worth <laughs> noting, but a good one you'll find out later. Yeah. yeah. Well, I started 1900, and the very first article I come across, these are all from the various uh, Quincy newspapers. All this, these details are coming from those newspapers. It's an article that dates back to the 11th day of January in 1900. So 11 days into the new century, this article comes out about a bold daylight robbery. Okay. A gang of expert safe blowers, yes, that is a word, safe blowers, Yes, were in town Saturday. They made uh, things hum, according to this article. It says that they blew open a safe in the office of the Justice of the Peace, F.W. Hockenkamp, in the Heinz building at noon, and they secured about $100 in cash and a lot of paper. And I love this quote here in the paper. It says, It was one of the boldest robberies ever perpetrated in Quincy, and the cracksmen had nerve, for the safe was blown almost within the shadow of the courthouse and the sheriff's office. That is bold. That is yes. bold. They get away. As far as I can tell, they never are found. How do you do that? It's the justice of the peace. Yep. This was daylight, right? Yep. It was at noon. What was everybody at lunch? What's going on? Here? It was a Saturday, so <sighs> the law don't stop on the weekends, boys. It says the police have a fairly good description of the men, but after the explosion of the safe, Justice uh, Hiking Camp's office, they disappeared as if the earth had opened and swallowed them whole. Man, I love 1900s newspapers. Boy, it just sucked them right down the the earth hole. So if you think that is interesting, wait till you hear about this one, Travis. Okay. We go to 1913. Okay, a couple years later, what's happening? Complains uh, about chicken thieves. Oh, that's foul. <laughs> so a bunch of young men were working their way down to the south side of the city. They took enough wet goods with them to alleviate drinking water. Well, I guess that's alleviate drinking water. 
but did not think it worthwhile bothering with a lot of feed. Okay. Love 1913 newspapers. Interesting chicken thievery. As soon as they hit the bottom road, they kept their eyes peeled for fries. And by the time they reached the place where they expected to spend the day, they had stolen enough chickens to provide a yellow leg for every one of the crowd. Hmm. Farmer mentions that after catching up with the chicken thieves that they demanded, they return the stolen chickens, but were told to go listen to this, Travis. They were told to go to the place of fire and brimstone. Oh, I think I know where they mean. H <laughs> E double hockey sticks, maybe? Goes on later to say that uh, the same gang, if they try to steal any more chickens, they are liable to meet the shotgun reception. And uh, it'll be easy matter identifying that these providing the corner does not have the job instead. That was ominous. That was ominous there at the end. So are they stealing chickens to eat or just to yes. have? So like what was happening was is they were going out and they were they had a bunch of beer with them and alcohol and they decided they were going down on the bottom roads and they were like, well, we're hungry. Let's, Let's get, get some, some chickens. chickens along the way. It's like early so fast food. <laughs> Literally. KFC wasn't open yet. They had them improvise. The Quincy Poultry and Pet Stock Association has taken matters into hand and will pay a handsome reward for evidence leading to the conviction of the chicken thieves who robbed members of the association. The association will make an effort to stop robbing of hen roost, and hereafter, every effort will be made to send chicken thieves to the workhouse where they belong. What the cluck is going on in Quincy? <laughs> robbing chickens. Nice. Okay, that's nice. all the chicken puns I have. What's next? All right, so those are those are kind of the little lighthearted ones, which I think it's kind of funny considering that those are the earliest ones that I have, and then we're going to get more into a little bit more of the serious ones. All right. But it's nice to start out with some of those. That's right, keeping it light, keeping it breezy. This next section, I'm going to go ahead, Travis, and get on my soapbox, maybe oh. for 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Okay. I love this book. It's called River of Shame. Great book. Talks about a guy named James Earl Ray. Uh, and maybe somebody more known uh, by the name of Crowley here in the community. I, I love reading books. I hate it when books don't get things right. Right. Like, didn't you grow up, Travis, thinking that what is put in books is accurate? Uh, I did. I, I, it turns out I, I never learned to read. No, I'm kidding. I learned <laughs> to read. No, yeah. You know, I think I think the fact is that nobody fact checks much anymore. So not at all. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you though. That is frustrating because, especially if you're using that as a source of information for something. Sure, it's a horrible yeah. game of telephone. I came across this article, and it's back from 1948, and it talks about two captured are identified quickly as men who kidnapped and robbed a Quincy jeweler. jeweler. This goes back to a story that was in River Shame. Talks about uh, that a few guys were robbing uh, a guy named R.M. Hurdle. Uh, who is part of, as you know, um, the, uh, what's the name? Damon, Damon Hurdle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the story goes in the book saying that uh, that's uh, Crowley, which why am I not thinking what his first name is? Ted. Ted Crowley. That he was never even questioned or never even accused. Well, I came across a story later saying that he was arrested for it and then he actually you know him and another guy that they said got away with that never was arrested both were arrested so it just good to show like all right you didn't do all your research but that's here or there so anyway let me tell you about this story i'm off my soapbox now travis okay he's a little bit lower on screen he's off it now guys yeah it's a very large soapbox by the way three steps this is a crazy story because it was a gang of four people 
And uh, two of the gang members go into R.M. Hurdle's house, who was at uh, 1220 North 8th Street, forced him to go to the Damon Hurdle Jewelry Store, which is at 115 North 6th, and open the safe, which they stole diamonds and other jewelry. They figured it was about $10,000 worth of jewelry and about $3,000 worth of cash. Now, the crazy part about this is, and, and kind of, I'm going to minimize the story a little bit. So they go in and they break into this person's house. He's there with his wife and his daughter. They make the daughters lay on, or the daughter and the wife lay on the floor. They put like tape on their eyes so they can't see who's robbing them. Then they tell Hurdle that, hey, we want the safe code combination because we're going to go to the jewelry store and we're going to take your stuff. So he gives them the combination. And then they ask, well, is there any safety or security thing, like any burglar alarms? He's like, no, there's no burglar alarms. They go down there without Hurdle and they can't get into the safe. So they come back to the house because oh, there's a couple right. guys that are staying there until they rob the place. And there's oh, a couple sure, guys that sure. are keeping everybody hostage. I call the cops the second they walk out the door. Exactly. Yeah. So the other guys come back and say, you didn't give us the right safe number. And so they were like, you're coming with us this time. And so they end up taking him hurdle and they take him down and he says hey i'll go with you as long as my wife and daughter don't get hurt and so they're like we're not worried about that we're not going to hurt you guys we just want what's in the safe so they go down there they get what's in the safe we'll come to find out by this time they're not paying as much attention as they should be and they're not they're taking their their mask off or taking their handkerchiefs across their face getting they're sloppy, getting sloppy yeah. right and so pretty quickly once all this happens they take all that they are they get on the run so hurdle calls the police and says this is what they look like well it didn't take them long to figure out who it was they end up capturing them pretty quickly they were two guys that were out of peoria that were first charged i don't know how to pronounce the the one guy's name but i'll, I'll spell it out it's p-e-d-o-t-e he was from Peoria. The other guy's name was John Volk, also from Peoria. And then you have a couple other guys here that were also involved. And I, I didn't print that off with me. Uh, but, of course, we talked about Crowley. And then there was another guy that I think it was Stalk or Stoke, maybe Stoke, uh, that were also arrested that were more locals. So it, it's a crazy story. Uh, they end up getting the money back because the guys get arrested with the stuff in hand. So they get the jewelry back. They get the money back. But uh, it uh, is probably one of the most well-known. Well, I shouldn't say well-known, but it's probably one of the biggest heist, if you will, in the Quincy area with not pertaining to a bank. Interesting. Okay. So that was in 1948, Travis. Okay. We're moving along. What do we got next? This uh, kid back in, uh, let's see what our date is, November of 1967, a guy named Michael Casey. He was 17 at the time and was sentenced Friday morning, uh, according to this article back in January of 68, to 10 years imprisonment on charges of burglarizing the Irving School. It was disclosed in circuit court that he'd been involved in at least eight other burglaries and two other armed robberies in the Quincy area. He netted a radio, a stereotape recorder, electric shaver, and a stopwatch. Why is there an electric shaver at the school? Police report states that the burglars also damaged school property and vandalized classrooms. Just some general mischief, it sounds like, going yes. on. But he ended up getting 10 years yeah, for that. That's a throw in the book at that guy. Yeah. So the next one we move on to is a really weird story. Uh, I guess I did have another weird story left for you, Travis. So this is back in 1968. It says here, a Quincy man was charged with robbing his grandparents at gunpoint. Oh. 
Police said they received a report at 5.30 that a man was threatening his grandparents with a gun at 1601 Broadway. Officers detailed the scene, found a guy a shade of 1601 Broadway lying on the couch of his home. Shade told the officers that his grandson, Michael Shade, had forced the older man's wife to write a personal check and just left. So the officers uh, quickly call around to the different banks. At one of the banks, they were told that Shade had just left after being unable to cash the check. At the Illinois State Bank, officers spotted Shade coming out of the front door as they drove up and halted him. They arrested him. He, they did find that he had a 22 caliber pistol on him. Uh, he was charged with armed robbery by intimidation and carrying a concealed weapon and no firearm owner's registration card. So crazy. I thought that was kind of a crazy story of a grandson robbing his grandparents in Quincy. Yeah. Sounds like a desperate guy. Desperate guy. It's, it's one thing. I mean, your grandparents, Mike, that's, that's pretty rough. Wow. This leads into something that's, it's pretty crazy though. And I don't really have details of this, but it seems like there's a stretch of period from about 66. And let me go back. There seems like there's times in Quincy's past where crime has really gone rampant. Okay. And one of those situations, I think you can kind of say that 90s section, like 1990 to 2000 is kind of one of those areas. But another area is about 66 to 71. There is a ton of robberies going on in this time of frame in the Quincy area. So much so that there was an article that was published in 1970 talking about just these incidences that happened in within like not even the whole month of November from November 5th, to November 18th, 39 robberies. Wow. That happened between November 5th and November 18th. It's everything from all in November. Yes. Good night. That's a lot. A house being entered, uh, two prescription drugs stolen, $86 stolen. Somebody broke into a house and stole a TV, attempted entry. What, were they related incidents or same people or different? Uh, no, or does it, it, say? it doesn't say. Boy, that seems like a heck of a crime wave. Wow. Stipp's Restaurant was where this article started. It says, burglaries at Quincy Clinic and Stipp's Restaurant Tuesday night are the latest in a series of break-ins and armed robberies in the immediate Quincy area in the last several weeks. Newspaper files show at least four armed robberies in an immediate area in a variety of houses, stores, taverns, garages, clubs, and car break-ins. And then there was a lot of several reports, unsuccessful attempts as well. And it says, according to the chief of police, Harold Hunsaker, that there's been an unusual number of such incidents in the recent weeks. But, I mean, it's everything. Cars, uh, two shotguns being stolen out of a car. I mean, just everything. It's just really weird. It, 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 it's just a really bad area. And like I said, that's you see these areas where it just really ramps up. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I'd be curious to see why. And I have thought that, too. Like, we talked about that in the 90s. Like, there was a lot, not only of, of crime. We came across articles in the 90s about crime in Quincy being really bad. Right. I'd be curious to see what if there's economic factors involved with that or I mean, yeah. that's something we need to talk about on Patreon. Cause I think that's something we can really dig into. There's gotta be other reasons. It can't just be because they feel like they're going to, there's go. probably other factors at play. You're right. It's just a matter of lining up. What was the, what was the global, you know, what was the stock market world looking like? What was all the other? Yeah. There's lots of, so many variables. I will also bring this up is that it's also interesting of how 
the world of banking and robbing banks has got, you can tell there's some extreme instances in the Quincy area too. Uh, but we'll talk about that coming up. There's one last thing that I want to mention before we drop into those banks things. And this is something that some of you, maybe most of you may remember. It goes back to September of 2002. Okay. Pretty fresh. When three masked men robbed the village in restaurant give you a little background here it says uh, quincy police are searching for three men who were forced their way into the village in a restaurant late sunday night struck two employees in the head and took an undisclosed amount of money police said there were three white men wearing masks that entered the restaurant which if you guys know village Inn's on 36th street the restaurant was closed at, at uh, 10 p.m but however they came in through the back door around just before 11 police said the intruders overpowered two male employees by striking them on the head with a club the two employees suffered lacerations to the head and they were treated and released at blessing five other employees in the restaurant two men and three women were unhurt and uh, undisclosed amount of cash as i mentioned was taken give a shout out by the way which we may want to talk to about this stuff at some point in time, but our buddy Rodney Hart wrote That's this That's right. Article. He did the crime beat for quite a while. Yeah, there, right? quite a few yeah. Rodney Hart articles coming your way today. But I did want to bring it up because that was kind of a big story back in 2002. Yeah, uh, uh, it rings a distant bell. I don't remember a lot of the details. Was that, I wonder, I'm trying to remember if that was partially an inside job or not. I don't know. Uh, you know, that might be something that may be right. I, I think I kind of remember some details about let, that. Let us know if you guys remember that. We'd love to yeah. hear some more. So, Travis, that is kind of an overview of the non-bank-related right. issues. And so now we're going to jump to the banks. And we're going to start with you on this. Yeah, this here is a doozy. Chris, there's so much to this story. It could probably be its own episode. I'm going to give you very high level and then we're going to circle back in the Patreon episode and get down in the nitty gritty because we're talking some Ocean's Eleven high stuff here. <laughs> I mean, get that Ocean's Eleven music ready right now for the Patreon episode or with something of that nature. Uh, give, let me just give you the high level. This took place in on February 13th, 1874. It was at the First National Bank of Quincy. That is no longer standing, but it resided on the northeast corner of 4th and Main. Visually, that's across the street to the north from Washington Park in that same block of, uh, block with the Washington Theater. Hmm. It was on the, the most uh, western edge of that block. It's now a vacant lot. But that was, it was actually a United States Depository Bank, which means that it kept a lot of cash on hand because a lot of times the government would need to make like land acquisitions or other financial transactions that would require a lot of money. And so select areas around the country were selected as depositories for the U.S. So essentially what happened is a team of bank robbers, I mean, this is not a smash and grab job. This is a job that slowly unfolded over a matter of about three weeks and it involved them essentially tunneling down from the second story oh wow into the vault because the door on this thing was not going to get tampered with they knew better over two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars disappeared after wow. this i'm like that is a lot of money that's a lot of money for that in time 1874. period. It looks like, from what I could find, today's equivalent of that would be $6,725,486. Wow. And I believe it was the largest amount of money you know, overall with inflation adjusted and everything Surely. in the history of bank robberies. Oh, wow. Really? I say that with about 85% confidence. It was definitely up there. 
there was a few things that was a very significant because not only was it that big of a deal as far as the amount of money taken and not recovered in a bank robbery, in at least the U.S., I believe, at that time, if not till now, mm-hmm. it was also believed to be the first robbery to utilize a certain style of method for breaking a safe called the air pump method. Chris, this story's got it all. <laughs> uh, and we're going to circle back to this in Patreon. You got people descending on ropes. You got people tunneling. It's it's insane. The level these guys are professionals. No one was ever caught and accused of this. Some of the gang members were picked up for other similar robberies to this, but none of the money was ever recovered. And none of them. So none of them were ever prosecuted for this crime. Correct. But they have yeah. a pretty good feeling of that those are the people that did it. And not only that, but after the fact, you have a mysterious woman known as Queen of the Burglars, who says she has extra knowledge about this job and how it might have been more of a business transaction from the bank president than an actual robbery. So this has got twists and turns like a like a something with lots of twists and turns. I don't have a good analogy right now. <laughs> well, it'd be uh, that I'm looking forward to. I think that needs to actually probably be its own episode because there's just so much involved. And I did come across the story that the, the lady, you know, like you said, said that it was an inside job. And from my one article I read, had some compelling arguments, but we'll have to to dig into that even more later on. But I, you know, it makes me think like, man, do we need to do another podcast, uh, another series, just on, <laughs> just on this show? But I, I or think on this we event? Can, I think this, this will be a perk for for the little enticement. To if you want to hear, and you'll want to the Patreon the Patreon goodness of this. Maybe it'll be a bonus episode, Chris. We'll see. Maybe okay. we're feeling generous. Maybe we can go down that road. There we that's go. That's a conversation for off the microphone. Though. That's right. That's a, that's an off the mic one. Uh, so yeah, but that's that is a crazy story. And, and Travis, let's as I mentioned, I had you do before nineteen hundred. I did after nineteen hundred. I find it so amazing that we only had one bank robbery. Yeah, the, the the only one that I could find, I did a pretty deep dive, and I felt really guilty that there was only one. <laughs> but it was a doozy, so. And it's just amazing because, and the reason why I say it's even amazing, because you got, what year did Quincy get found? Like, what do you figure, 1823? Probably around there, I can't say for sure. And I would assume maybe the first bank in Quincy probably opened in maybe like close to 1850, so at least you're looking at, quite a few years there of not having any bank robberies, especially in a wild West scenario in most cases. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, John Wood didn't have time to be a police officer when he was being a firefighter and the mayor. So well, he was also involved in banking as well. Uh, thanks to uh, Amanda, listener yeah. Amanda, who sent us some overall background information about the, the banks in general. And I believe uh, the Bull brothers who formed, I think state savings and loan might've the predecessor might have been owned by John Wood at one point, but that's mm. very sh- f- faded recollections from my brain. <laughs> so next we're going to go to 1915. And this one is um, something that has its own mark in history because this is the first ever bank robbery that was done as an armed robbery. So here in the article, again, we're looking at July 6th of 1915. The article says, for the first time in the history of the city, a bank is robbed in a holdup. And this bank was at 1719 Broadway. It was a scene uh, actually in it, which I thought this was interesting. I had to read into this more because the robbery happened at Saturday night. Hmm. So it's really weird. You don't think a bank would be open on Saturday nights, but... 
uh, kind of give you some details here. Uh, this uh, robber commanded the clerk to throw up hands, enforced uh, the command with the revolver, and the clerk dropped in front of the teller's desk. It, shots in the direction of the robber took place at some point in time. So at some point in time, somebody had a gun and was shooting at the robber. However, they missed the robber. And so the robber returned shots. Uh, neither bullet, uh, as far as the police could tell, none of them hit anything. But honestly, the clerk's bullet never was found to begin with. That was curious because a lot of people wondered if it actually did strike the robber. That's why they couldn't find the, the bullet fragment. But oh. it doesn't makes no indication from what I could see of any kind of limping or anything else. So that's curious. Hopefully I'm not getting my stories mixed up, but I also think uh, this guy ends up getting away. And is he the one? I guess sounds like you've read this. Is he the one that rode the bike? Yes, this was the bicyclist. Yeah, I did a little digging in the the 1900s because I felt guilty. Yeah, there was a gunfire exchange, like you said, Chris, the, the the bank teller was being pretty stiff upper-lipped about the whole situation, not wanting to give in to the guy's request. Yeah, there was some fire exchange, and the bullet from the bank teller, I think it, was, it might have been the bank president, I don't recall, but it was not found lodged anywhere. So there was a lot of questioning, did it go into the actual thief's leg? But if you're riding a bike, that's going to really hamper your ability to ride a bike, which was the escape. And they were saying that, again, these, and they actually specifically said in the article that the uh, roads obviously aren't paved at the time, and they were rutted really bad because of rainstorms. So it would have even been more difficult for the guy to ride a bike in these muddy roads. There's a huge story. We'll probably post this in our show notes because it's, it's a very big story in the newspaper like they always are in 1915's newspapers. The only other thing I wanted to point out here is that he walked out with $450 in cash. It's eventually jumped on a bicycle and he rode around. Travis, I didn't get far enough into this because, again, it's such a big article. But was he was he found? They were never apprehended because what happened is he rode down Broadway and I think he, he turned off a side street when he saw a car coming his way. And there was a few people that saw the person was fleeing, but nobody could actually ID the guy. I want to just... Uh, add a little to your story on the amount stolen. 450 doesn't sound like a lot, but in 1915 money, that's $12,421. So that's a pretty good, pretty good haul. And uh, boy, that's a bold. Was it smart or stupid for the bike, you think? I, what other, I mean, you can get around. I mean, if you need to get down alleys, you're more, a, you're more agile. I think. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But you're not getting away as quick. Yeah, he he did the trick. I don't believe that anyone was ever. I uh, found an article a little, a few, I don't know if it was months or years later, but no one was ever apprehended from what I could see from that, Chris. Yeah. So he uh, he got away with a, a pretty good payday. And it looks like, according to this article, that the it says the bank didn't lose anything because they were insured, so they actually were able to recoup those losses. Yeah, they they didn't bat an eye from yeah the account. It seemed like they were just like well. It is what it is. It could have been worse. So that was a 1915 robbery, the first armed robbery in the city of Quincy, and it's not the last. All right. Travis, the cool thing about this, the interesting thing about this, is the next thing I want to talk about actually is in 1940. And it's not a bank robbery because 1915 was really the last one that we've had, and it happens for quite a while, which... It may be due to this before the next one happens, and it may be due to what uh, this article talks about, because 
This article back in uh, January of 1940 actually talks about that the chief, John Connery, he is the chief of police for the city, a, uh, went to a law enforcement seminar with a bunch of other Quincy officers. And it says here, it says, among plans for the immediate future are a conference of city, county, and state officers to map out a prearranged plan of blocking Adams County highways in the event of bank robberies or other serious crimes in which desperate fugitives are being sought. I've never seen anything like this to where they said, you know what, we're going to create a plan so that if something big happens, everybody knows where to go to to block them in so we can capture them. What was the timestamp on on that article, Chris, as far as year goes? Uh, January of 1940. I don't have this information pulled up, but you start thinking about... You know, the famous bank robbers, you know, the, the Dillinger. Dillinger, Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, you're getting into the 40s and 50s where it feels like it's becoming quite an epidemic potentially. And maybe it's a, a preemptive uh, you know, plan to maybe address a situation where if it were to evolve here in town, that maybe that is, has something to do with it. That actually is something I didn't even process. Because Dillinger was, what, 30s, 40s? You know, I, I don't want to say that. Let me see if I can find a year real fast yeah. here. But here's the thing. And maybe I felt like, I mean, I deep dived pretty hard into this, but if I'm wrong, please let me know. Quincy goes from 1915, when we just talked about the armed robbery, all the way to 1992 without a bank robbery. That's pretty wild. Dillinger was the 20s, like in the 20s, 20s. it looks like, and earlier, yeah. But still... That brings up a good point. Uh, you go through with all these guys, especially when you talk about Dillinger, especially Dillinger, because there's, and I don't want to be, I'm going to go ahead, you can quote me on this, pretty sure that Dillinger robbed a bank in Hannibal. I've heard lore of that, but I don't know any facts. So even to have somebody like Dillinger in this, I mean, he was from Chicago. He spent time in Iowa. He was around this area. So it's really surprising that Quincy was able to dodge the bullet, no pun intended, of trying to uh, not have any bank robberies. Hmm, that is interesting. But however, we go from 1915 to 1940. Obviously, maybe this idea of people found out that, oh, hey, you know, these police are serious in the city of Quincy. Maybe that helps it until, of course, the big event that happens in 1992 just yeah but just real quick here to add a little bit to that that preface on the law enforcement meeting about this issue two synonymous groups were active in the 30s that's george babyface nelson had his big in the 30s also bonnie and clyde in the 30s as well and we all know they had a prolific career both of them on robberies you know all over the country so that makes sense it's just amazing and if there's something that we're missing let us know, but we've I've scoured for hours on hours for bank robberies in Quincy and right. did not come across anything for, again, take 15 minus 90, that's 75 years. So, uh, I mean, that's a heck of a strand. That's a good run, yeah. However, that run comes to an abrupt end in November of 1992, and this is one that if you were Travis or I's age, you remember this one pretty good. It is the town and country bank robbery. A couple of notes of this one uh, to mention is that this robbery had national attention. It was the only robbery that had a standoff situation, a hostage situation. And unfortunately, it's also the only bank robbery, uh, fortunately, for, unfortunately, however you look at it, that had a death that happened right. because of it. 
So just to give you a quick overview of this, uh, Guy, Robber, entered the uh, bank around 12, or 2.30 uh, in the afternoon. And this was uh, on, uh, let's see, I want to make sure I got the date right. So this was um, on Monday, so it would have been November 23rd of 1992. So he walks in, Travis, and he... Uh, gets them does a hold up and they the police are notified while they're in there and so the police get there pretty quickly on time this guy has a 12 gauge sawed off shotgun and unfortunately uh, one of the uh, people his last name by the uh, name of bagby is in the building he's a postal office worker and uh the robber slips and accidentally discharges his gun when he slips and hits bagby and uh ends up killing him the standoff goes for multiple hours, and actually, the standoff goes all the way till eight thirty-seven that night, when finally uh, he surrendered. About fifty law enforcement officers uh, from the Quincy Police Department, Adams County Sheriff's Department, Illinois State Police that were there. Also, um, there was um, emergency response team taking up strategic position. FBI agents were also involved, and some auxiliary police for the city were also there to help maintain order. The standoff ended after an. Again, off again negotiation with the gunman requesting both a getaway car and a helicopter. Police had to ask television reporters at one time to turn off their cameras because the gunman was watching the TV from inside the building and was able to see many of the officers or where they were stationed at. Uh, so they wanted to keep their officers safe because they knew what was going on. So, uh, a very crazy story. Um, and uh, it just it's just crazy of, of what happened there. I didn't real I didn't remember or realize that the death was probably accidental on that discharge. Oh boy, that's wow. Accidental may not be the right word, just because he had a gun. Yeah, intent <laughs> um, was with there. Intense, yeah, but he did slip. Yeah, and it was discharged yeah. when he slipped. But I don't know if you want to that technically say it was True. accidental. But fortunately, it was just a bad situation. Uh, Travis, I, do you remember the? Vi- I remember watching it that night. I do. It, I f- I don't remember a lot of the details, but I definitely remember it being on the news and yeah, just all the news coverage. Yeah, it's just a, an, a crazy story. It's it's probably the biggest, if you want to say, maybe biggest in current time of of a bank robbery and this kind of starts in general travis a trend of something that's going to happen because between 1992 and 2021 just last year there has been 11 bank robberies really and so we go from and as i was mentioning we go from having two in a hundred and 70 years to have an 11 in you know 10 years yeah so Travis, we're just going to go down this list real quick and just give you a rundown of all these robberies that have happened so we start in uh, 1995 april of 1995 state street bank then another one in 95 was the first financial bank that happened in may so just just a few literally a month after the state street bank one that's quick yeah and then you have in 96 mercantile trust and savings bank and that was in march then in uh, july of 1998 bankers trust the bankers trust oh let me tell you this mercantile trust and savings bank was the county market at 30th and broadway it was actually oh sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. then you have uh, first federal bank in 1999 then another one in county market was at state street bank which was at ninth and jefferson 
Right. Okay, the Jefferson. That sure. happened in 2001. And this was the crazy one about this one. So you had this one at State Street Bank at County Market happen on June 1st. June 2nd, the next day, you had another robbery happen, which was Central State Bank. That's at 900 South 12th Street. They ended up trying to finding out it was the same guy that committed both the robberies. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, he was caught. A couple others here. Uh, hometown Credit Union in 2005. Then also uh, Members First Credit Union in 2011. Then another one in 2011, Hometown Credit Union got hit again. A second, second hit. Yeah, wow. and Travis, I actually came across a newspaper article questioning why were these credit unions getting hit? And a quote from one of the officers says, my best guess and only guess is that credit unions are usually a lower profile facility that gives the false impression of less security. Other than that, who knows? Yes, I suppose that makes sense. Maybe... Plus, there's not as much paperwork. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you always got to yeah. sign your life away, let's be honest. Exactly. Uh, so on uh, a couple more here, and again, you saw what that list was. We've gone through a bunch of them, but 2011, yeah. 2012 was a rough one because in 2012, in December, first mid-Illinois Bank and Trust was hit. They're located at 3233 Broadway. And then finally, the most recent one just happened in August of last year. The Mercantile Bank at 440 Main Street was hit. That guy was apprehended pretty quickly and arrested. So that is a, a quick rundown. But Travis, you tell me what your thoughts are. It seems crazy that we go from two and a hundred and some years to like 11 in within a matter of, you know, 15 years. Yeah. I mean, you raised a good question earlier about what's, what's the economic conditions. Why is there a desperation? A lot of these, these jobs from the limited articles I've seen about some of these show really desperate people, you know, sometimes not even wearing masks, (laughs) just, you know, grabbing cash. Not because of COVID. Right, right. The whole other world back then. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, what what possesses somebody? I believe were all of those you just rattled off armed, like some kind of weapon or, or like device or something? Yeah, most all of them had were weapons. Uh, the one, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but one of them was uh, threatening to have a bomb. They brought in the bomb squad. Right, right. I believe that was maybe the credit one of the credit unions. Home yeah, credit. and they yeah. actually went ahead, and I thought this was pretty crazy that they were worried that the bomb may explode. So they put a dump truck because it was real close to, I believe one of the schools that you're right. There's a couple there that fall in that category, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's rough stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, you know, that is quite a rash, an epidemic of, of robberies. It seems like it's died down a little bit, but boy, that, Really fired up in the 90s, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, when we get to Patreon, we're going to discuss that more. I think there's some analysis that needs to be done of trying to figure out why why this happened. You know, my only thought would be, just to kind of sum it up, is that, are you familiar with NASCAR? I am. When you have a, a, you go for a while on a racetrack, and then all of a sudden you have a wreck, and then it seems like you have 10 more wrecks, like in the following three laps after that. Right, right. That's kind of what happens, is I think that it it's one of those things where robberies breed robberies and people hear about it and they're like oh i could rob the bank and you know but hey yeah. community note the more you know do 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 yes you're gonna get caught <laughs> yeah this day and age boy it's it's almost an inevitability yeah it's not worth it to make you know a make couple thousand dollars uh to spend 10 years in prison. You know, honestly, you can make that much work in it. You know, I saw McDonald's was like $15 an hour on 48th and Broadway. So just, just don't. <laughs> Chris, when you knocked over that banking, Oh, shit, <laughs> 
Uh, Strike that. Thanks, buddy. We will have more on our Patreon. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the other stuff, including... We're going to talk a little bit more out of the area. There was a very crazy thing back in 1915 in Hull that happened. Uh, it had to do with explosives. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about another community bank that's been unfortunately hit twice uh, in its lifetime. And uh, we'll just dig in more to uh, a lot more of these uh, mysteries of these robberies in the uh, area. Well, that is a look at robberies in the Quincy area. We'll be back with more after this on Wild Quincy. <laughs> There's a new pet. Chia. Chia pet. The pottery that grows. It's fun and easy. Soak your chia, spread the seeds, keep it watered, and watch it grow. And now grow a whole collection of fun with chia teddy bears. Puppies, kittens, rams, bulls. There's even a chia tree to keep your pets company. Chia pets and trees. The pottery that grows. The chia pet and chia tree are available at Kmart, Rite Aid, Ames, and Woolworth. Makes a great gift. Travis, I told you, man, it just sticks in your brain. That's going to be with me for like a oh, week. They've there's been a lot of advancements in chia technology, Chris. Did your family ever ever yeah. have a chia grace any part of your house? I always wanted one, but I never got one. Oh man, now people are going to send oh, me chia. Pets. Please, please send all your chia, your chia related inquiries <laughs> to Wild Quincy. We'll make sure we disperse those. Um, uh, maybe maybe the simple chia pet like lamb. I think there was a lamb. I know there was a head. They're all you just heard it. They rattled them all off. But they sure didn't mm-hmm. have a David Hasselhoff chia back then. <laughs> Do they have one? They absolutely have. You can get every Golden Girl. You can get oh, a wow. Richard Simmons. Uh, you can get Pennywise from it, from the It movies. Alf, to name a few. You can still get your classic lambs and everything else. But uh, perhaps you want to live in the Star Wars universe, get a baby Grogu oh, wow. or a Yoda. They have it covered at Chia.com. Wow. They've really expanded. There is a whole world of weird little... Is it grass? What is it? Yeah, I think so. Is I think it, grass? it is. I don't know what it is, but it's lovely, and I fully support this. I think it's going to up your feng shui game, Chris. <laughs> feng shui. Yeah, get that feng shui on. It's usually, this isn't our typical one, but we're kind of expanding out a little bit. Uh, give you some different feels. This is one of those one of those things that, man, when you were growing up, you heard that chia. It dominated the, the local airwaves, even if it was a national thing. And I think that still hits that tinge of uh, familiarity. I think so. Yeah, that is our throwback. At hey, before we jump into some other stuff here, Travis, one of the things I forgot from what we talked about the robberies was a message we got from KDF. I'm going to read this because it has to do with the robberies. It wasn't in Quincy per se, but it was in West Quincy. And I thought this was kind of an interesting story. And I wanted to bring it up on our regular episode. Uh, Katie says that there was a bank that got robbed in West Quincy about 30 years ago. My dad was a cop at the time. And he told me this story more than once. The guy got out of prison, had some medical issues and couldn't afford medical bills. He decided to rob a bank. Now, I thought he only robbed it for a dollar, but my dad said it was more, but I can't remember. After he robbed the bank, he sat on the curb waiting for the cops to show up. (laughs) That's new. Wow. But it gets crazier. When he went to the court in Hannibal, the judge denied him prison time and sent him back into the community, uh, the civilian lifestyle, because the judge didn't want 
taxpayers to pay medical expenses since that was the only reason he was robbing it in the first place. Man, that that's a, such a sad story. It's a sad story, but it's something you hear about a lot about like people like they can't adjust to the yeah. lifestyle, so they go do so commit another crime, so they yeah, go back, and right. then they got medical bills. But I wanted to get that in there because it's a a, a, a crazy story. And Katie, thank you so much. You can uh, if you have comments, yeah. you can always do what Katie did: send us a private message on Facebook, or uh, you can always text us, like we talked about earlier. Travis, I think we need to hear from somebody. And now it's time for words of wisdom from Adams County. Thank you, Bo. Beautiful. Always better with age. So let's do this. It's time for the wisdom. It's time for the wits of our forefathers and foremothers of Adams County. All your questions of life's debacles will soon be relieved as we go to the sheet of random numbers and Chris finds the perfect one to give a sage wisdom from our forefathers past. Chris, what do you have lined up for us tonight? Well put, my friend. We are going to turn to Thomas Barnhart's number. Thomas chose the number 8642. It's a good number. Good big round number. I like it. And ironically, speaking of numbers, this is in the numbers section. How appropriate. (laughs) Exactly. As if there was any other thing but a number. Yes. So here it is. 8642. A fire on a block means two more fires in that block during the month. Words of wisdom from Adams County. Ooh, that's dark. Yeah, good stuff. Don't, don't light those fires in case, unless you want two others. Yeah, I think that's nearby. 1900s mentality, too. This was made in like 1935, so they're probably like, yeah, well. Everything was catching on fire. It was early in the early. Wholesale <laughs> row. Was on fire. Yeah, I mean, fire for everyone. Exactly. It's like a bad Oprah episode. Exactly. Fire for you. You get fire. You get fire. <laughs> you get fire. Oh. The chair's on fire right now. Yeah, so uh, that is a look at our wisdom and wit. Uh, it's Travis, time for the question of the day. Have you been thinking about this one? I'm dreading it because I think it's going to be tricky, but let's let's refresh everyone's memory. What are we dealing with here? According to census data, what year did Quincy have the largest population? Was it 1930, 1950, 1970, or 2010? Travis, your thoughts? Oh, boy. Boy, I think, I think there was like a roller coaster there in the industrial age of Quincy being huge, and then I feel like we shrunk and kind of got back to it. So I'm going to say, uh, what was the two first options? Again? 1930, 1950, 1970, or 2010. Man, that's tough, but I'm going to have to say 1950. Travis. Yes? You would be incorrect. Ah, you got me again. 1950 had 41,450 people. Okay. Well, what was the winner then? The winner was 1970. Really? I was not going to... I guess that makes sense. Population in Quincy was 45,288. That is the highest population Quincy has ever had. So it went downhill from there, huh? 2010, it was at 40,366. Then, ironically, by the 2019, like the statistical one, it's only like 300 people short, uh, the estimated one. So it's... Or 300 people more. I think it was at 40,636 or something like that. I smell a comeback, Chris. There you go. That's what it's all about. Don't call it a comeback, right? LL Cool J. Uh, You know, (laughs) and I think the real the real status of of when we've made it is when that Target and Red Lobster combo move in, baby. Oh yeah, yeah. And and there's rumors. There's percolation. Percolation. Yeah. 
So, Travis, obviously we're not going to be talking about uh, numbers <laughs> like no. we did in folklore I from Adams County. Numbers. I don't yeah, well. we're going to be talking about something else. We had to do something different because this next episode is a fun episode, and oh, it's yeah. going to be our last fun episode oh. for a while. We're going to put it away for a while and yeah. see what happens. We're going to set it on this shelf and let it collect some dust. And we'll Absence will make it. our hearts grow fonder, but what will we be talking about for fun? We're going to pick up the, the goodie bags. We're going to pick up the bags of stuff that weren't quite big enough for a full episode, but it was stuff that's been on our list and on our radar since we started uh, Wild Quincy back in the day. Remember what you used to do? Or I'm assuming, I feel like you did this. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. You used to go to Hardee's or McDonald's, anywhere with a fountain drink dispenser, and you went around and did a suicide. <laughs> suicide. Where you got a little bit of a little bit of Pepsi, a little bit of Mountain mm-hmm. Dew, a little bit of Orange Crush. That's kind of what we're doing on this next yeah. episode. We're doing an audio suicide of fun stuff. <laughs> Not enough to fill the cup alone, but together a magical potion of deliciousness will be awaiting us all. Actually, it probably tastes like crap, so it'll be better than that. <laughs> Were you a fan? Yeah. Did you actually enjoy the suicide? Did you do that? You could do it right. Um, well, there's a right way. What's the right way? Enlighten us. You just had to get the right flavors. Um, yeah, a, I don't know. what. A good, it, that was like pairing. 35 years ago that he did I know, that. I but the, we still had the technology. We have even more. Can you imagine those new Coke machines? <laughs> oh, that my have 5, oh, my flavors? gosh. Yeah. With like oh the 50 God. flavors in them. Yeah. Give us your best suicide recipe. There, there we go. Uh, so, yeah, check, Text check that us out. right now, 612-666-9453. What was your favorite suicide recipe? Now, do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, Chris we're going to be... For fun. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> we're going to be talking go about ahead. everything. <laughs> you okay, man? <laughs> oh, yeah. you got a suicide. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're going to have fun in our last fun episode. Season's getting wrapped up. We got a few more before we wrap up season two and head to season three can't believe it uh we'll have that coming your way in two weeks travis anything else before we wrap up no i literally have nothing else to add to that conversation good information for travis always <laughs> I'm here for you buddy for, for travis hoffman i'm chris getters you've been listening to wild quincy we'll catch you guys next time take care everybody Wild Quincy is released every other Tuesday and is produced by Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Sound designed by Downdraft Sound and Editing and music by Travis Hoffman Music. I'm Bo Beecraft, and thanks for listening to Wild Quincy. Wild Quincy.